Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Story time. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at Burrow.com ACAST, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So... My dad and I were hiking back in late November 2005, in a place called the UBC Research Forest north of Pitt Meadows, British Columbia, Canada. About 30 miles east and a bit north of Vancouver. It's on the edge of the mountains, with several logging roads and trails. Anyway, the day was already getting late when we headed out, and the weather was horrible. There was no wind, but there were showers, hail, and slush. It was around 3 degrees Celsius. We were the only ones in the area hiking, and the parking lot was empty both when we arrived and left. After about an hour of hiking randomly up logging roads and trails, we were a good several kilometers into the area when we took a break by a small stream and a small gully. Anyways, we smelled this horrible scent, sort of skunkish, with a human and fish scent mixed in. Neither of us had ever smelled anything like this before, and we've both encountered every large animal there is out here on the coast. Because there was no wind, we knew it was close. We kept going along this hillside. Above us, 50 feet up, was an old overgrown logging slash. Below us, a thickly wooded slope where we could see maybe a hundred feet down. We started feeling like we were being followed, and the forest became too silent. Even the local ravens didn't make a sound. We smelled the scent another two times, stronger each time, so we began hiking faster. As we came out of a small gully, we heard a crash. Spinning around, we raced back to the crest and looked back down. Something large and tall, easily taller than my dad who was six foot, disappeared into the bush. We just caught a glimpse of dark brown. Since neither of us was armed, We continued on at full pace, knowing there was a logging road ahead. Again, we smelled that weird smell. We heard noises from the old logging meadow above us. Whatever it was, it was moving very silently, yet occasionally breaking a branch or bumping a small tree. I've been followed by bears and cats before, but neither moved like this. It was way too silent to be either, for the record, grizzlies aren't in this area but I have encountered them before too. After we rounded a bend in the slope, we heard movement again. This time, it was on the lower side of us, or so it seemed. After another few minutes, we heard it again and smelled it. Now, it was moving on the upper side of us, just over a low ridge, maybe a hundred feet away. By now, we could see the logging road a hundred or two hundred feet ahead. Then, This thing let out a cry that sent a shiver down my spine. My dad, whom I have never seen afraid before, except the one time I was near death, another story, went cold. It sounded like a cross between a whoop, a human, and something unknown. It lasted for about five seconds. We turned and ran to the road. Running down the road, we passed a junction and continued heading south. I dropped something a few seconds later, about 200 feet past the junction. 
I stopped, turned, and picked it up. Up amongst the trees, something tall and dark ducked out of sight. I have no clue what it was, but it was tall and fairly slim. It was too dark to really tell what it was, as it was getting close to dark. And so, we ran back to the parking lot. Unfortunately, it snowed the next day, several inches, otherwise we would have gone back and searched for evidence of this occurrence. This, to this day, frustrates both of us. Nevertheless, this is the only time I have ever been scared in the woods. So a few years later, my cousin and I went out to check deer feeders or stands. As we were crossing a field to get to a deer stand that was set up on poles 8-10 foot off the ground, we noticed what we presumed to be a head peering over the top of the wall watching us. We were a good 100 yards off, but it was obvious that something was in the stand. My cousin wanted to go check it out but I got spooked. I don't know if it was that uneasy feeling of predation or my past encounter with vagrants at our lease. But I talked him out of confronting whatever was up there. We hustled back and told our dads what we had seen. We went back to the stand but didn't see anything watching us this time, so we crossed the field, climbed the pipe ladder to the landing, and found open cans of soup, some dirty clothes, and a mutilated fawn. Whoever had been squatting in our deer stand had killed and was eating a young deer without benefit of cooking, as far as we could tell. There was blood everywhere. Could this be Sasquatch? We never did run into whoever was surviving out there. Fortunate for him, because I was ready to shoot anything that moved after that. That's the last of my experiences. As you can imagine, I didn't enjoy going to deer leases as a kid. My partner and I first heard these stories from a co-worker who overheard another officer talking about it. We thought and were convinced they were making the whole thing up. But one night, me and my partner decided to drive around the park to see if we can find anything weird for ourselves. We head down this lone dirt road, tall grass on either side, and suddenly, three deer burst out in the dark to our right. Our headlights caught them moving just as they ran into the trees on the left. So naturally, we could tell they were being chased by something. We turned off the headlights and began moving very slowly keeping an eye out for anything big. We drove slowly, more and more down the winding road until finally, something came into view in front of us. It looked like a large, hairy man crouched over. And as soon as it came out, you could just see its silhouette against the cold night sky. And since it was so dark, I couldn't see much, but the thing kind of turned around and began moving in our direction, and then moved away. As soon as my partner and I saw it, we got this really weird feeling, like something terrible was about to happen. So we quickly turned our headlights on. By that point, it was already gone. We pulled out of there, left pretty quickly. I don't even want to acknowledge what that could have been. I don't think I'm ready to accept that reality just yet. Let me just say I'm a former US park ranger. I have been assigned to various parks all throughout the USA back in 1991, I was assigned to the Isle Royale National Park in Lake Superior. It was my job to patrol almost 100 miles of backcountry and write reports on the conditions of several trails. 
I would rotate my patrol route every couple of weeks to avoid getting too familiar with the backcountry and kept myself alert. During the first part of late August, I rotated to the west end of the island, to the Greenstone area. The Greenstone is located on the northeastern part of the island. It is like a pile of massive rocks on a point overlooking Lake Greenstone Cove. The area around this point is a well-known spot for the Native Americans, for making tools and other items from the Greenstone and for fishing. The area is also reputed to be very haunted, and some of the stories are quite horrifying. This place is covered in very thick spruce forest, and there are only a couple of trails that even cut through. One of the trails is called the Greenstone Shore Trail. It cuts through the forest and is on the shore of the lake. It is a very isolated area, and the only way in or out of the area is by barge or via the Greenstone Shore Trail. So, I was patrolling the southern point of the trail when I came across a clearing. I stood there and began to hear a very strange noise. The noise sounded like a long, low moan that changed to a very loud sputtering noise. I stood there and listened for a few more moments and decided that I'd better go check it out. I walked into the clearing, scanning the area. I could see a series of old fire pits in the area and something dark lying on the ground about 50 feet away. It was heavy, whatever this was which I initially thought was a bear, turned out to be on four legs. So, I took up my binoculars and looked but couldn't really see any details on the animal. I thought it might be a bear but its shape was beginning to look too big. I stood there for a while as it was still sputtering and moaning, and keep in mind it was kind of tucked away in tall grass. I began to believe that maybe this was a sick or injured bear or animal. So, I ventured around to see if I could get a better view by getting closer to it without directly in its line of sight. When I did, the animal disappeared entirely, but the groaning sound stayed. There's no way something this large could have gotten up and disappeared from my sight that easily. Something was off, I could feel it. After it disappeared, the woods around me went completely silent, and I had this creeping feeling in my stomach that I needed to leave now and that I was in imminent danger. And then, the horrifying thought raced in my brain, what if it was a ploy? What if I was dealing with a large predator? and that was just a way to lure me into the open where I'd be more vulnerable. As these thoughts went through my head, I did not think rationally or clearly. I just got out of the area and did my best to quell my emotions. Now, two days after the incident in question, I was in the ranger station filling out reports when the dispatcher began yelling for me to come over the radio. It was a message from the Greenstone ranger station. There had been an accident a couple of miles north of the Greenstone station, and they required my assistance. I got on the boat and headed over there. I met two other boats from the station, and we headed to where the accident occurred. Apparently, four people in the accident who were injured were being chased by some large black animal that they were convinced was Bigfoot. They explained that it had a large snout, huge teeth, and large claws. We took their statements. They were so scared and shaken up they had an accident by getting into their boat, smacking it into each other. Unfortunately, they're all okay with only minor injuries, but the boats, well, that's a different story. I often reflect back and wonder if there's any correlation to the large figure I saw in the tall grass there in that meadow and what they described as seeing from the distance. 
I was that it was really hard to tell what exactly I was looking at. Even though it resembled a bear, I could tell it was a large animal, but because of how it was laying and how much of its body was truly concealed, there was no way to really know what it was for sure unless I got closer. But the strange groaning and moaning sounds, I'm not sure how to describe it or really write it off or rationalize it. I've heard bears make noise, even deer dying and injured, but this was different. It was so bassy in tone, and the sound was different. I guess it's safe to say that I'm a little creeped out by the whole thing. And after taking these witnesses' statements, I really don't believe them to be making up stories. They were all visibly shaken. The one man, the bigger, older man, was actually shaking really bad, and he almost had tears in his eyes as we were all detailing the same story. Even though this was many years ago now, it sticks with me just like it happened last week. I have to preface this story by saying that what I'm about to recount is a true story. I know, it sounds like something out of a horror movie, but I assure you, Every word I'm about to share is as real as the road I drive on. My name is Jack, and I've been a trucker for over a decade. I've seen my fair share of strange things on the open road. So, it was a usual route for me, driving along a desolate highway late at night. The moon was obscured by heavy clouds, casting an eerie glow over the barren landscape. That's when I saw him, standing on the side of the road, thumb outstretched. The hitchhiker seemed ordinary enough at first glance, dressed in worn-out jeans and a tattered jacket. With a sigh, I decided to offer him a ride. Little did I know, that decision would alter the course of my life forever. As the journey progressed, I couldn't shake an unsettling feeling. Strange occurrences began to unfold, and I started to question my decision to pick up this hitchhiker. The air in the cab grew heavy with an otherworldly presence and I caught glimpses of an unnatural shadow out of the corner of my eye. It was as if the very fabric of reality was shifting around us. Then, without warning, the hitchhiker's face twisted in agony, and he vomited onto the floor of the truck. I immediately pulled over, concern etched across my face. Are you okay? I asked, my voice trembling with worry. But as I glanced at him, something unfathomable happened. The hitchhiker's body convulsed and contorted in an inhuman manner. His form began to change before my eyes, morphing into a creature that defied all logic. It was a creature I struggled to find words to describe, but I'll do my best. It was completely white, bald, impossibly thin, and its humanoid shape lacked any discernible facial features. No eyes, no nose, nothing. It loomed over me, crouched in a position that made its true height difficult to determine. But let me tell you, it was towering, at least nine feet tall. Fear coursed through my veins, overpowering any sense of rationality. In a panic, I threw open the door and sprinted as fast as my trembling legs could carry me. I didn't look back. I didn't dare. Only after what felt like an eternity did I finally slow down and catch my breath but the creature was nowhere in sight. It hadn't followed me. After gathering my wits, I cautiously made my way back to the truck. My heart sank as I realized it was empty, as if the hitchhiker and the creature had vanished into thin air. 
confusion and dread consumed me. To this day, I can't explain what I saw or what became of the hitchhiker or the creature. All I know is that my encounter that night was undeniably real. Growing up we had a big house on the water set back a couple acres from the road. Most of the land around us was swamp and when I was 14 my dog brought up part of a human arm. Mom and I were binging Heroes, 2007, and Biscuit got out. We ignored him and I saw the dog rush past the library window with what looked like a big old fish swinging in his jaw. I go on to bed and she hollers for me and comes to my room wide-eyed. I don't what this is. I go out and it's past the truck and garage and the wide empty space that was there. I shine a light on it and I'm not quite sure what I'm seeing. It's a piece of flesh with three little bones sticking out of one end. My vision does a complete 360 and I curse and look at mom who looks terrified. Ma, you need to call the cops. The police show up, poke it with a stick then put it in a bag and hold it out the window as they drove to the substation. We later heard reports on CNN about people being cut up and their bodies strewn all along the panhandle. The arm was large and flabby with what looked like a smallpox scar. Our area used to be a hiding place for criminals and bodies. People used to find corpses in their yards after heavy rains, we even had a guy break out of prison transport and run through our yard in the middle of the night. Gotta love Florida. I was around 15 years old and lived, and still living there, in the wonderful Bavarian landscape in a small village. As you might know we in Bavaria are proud of our tradition and our beer and so we had something what you would call a party or carnival, only for people of our village. As I was the cool boy in our village I told the other kids what we can play. We played football, soccer, first but I got bored and asked my friends if we are going to run around the village and play with our wooden, and a friend of mine even had a soft air, just a week one, though, guns. So we went into barns and and all that stuff and shoot each other. It was great fun. Till one point we were in a barn of an old farmer, but everyone liked him cause he always gave us sweets and told us funny things. He was 83 at that point. One room of the barn was the old slaughter room. When we played in there, in front of us was an old door but it was locked, but I could have sworn I heard somiting like a quiet clicking. Generally it was a really old barn and my dad told me that it has some underground tunnels and rooms cause of the World War II. The years did pass and the old man died. His wife died almost 10 years ago and the only son and heir decided to demolish the old barn. What they found in the room with the locked door is still kinda a mystery and police and news were all at the place but nobody besides the police and the special teams knew what it was. Later the newspapers got the information that there was an old bomb of the World War II. But fortunately my dad helped the son with the work and saw it first together with the son. He never told me till a few months ago. Until that day only few people knew the real story. He basically built somiting like a throne of old World War II souvenirs as a national coat of arms and pictures of Hitler. There were old radios and metal of Nazis and a lot of letters in which he wrote about operate behind enemy lines and in which he wrote to his wife and that she has to be quiet. In the middle of the room there was the bomb, 
and it was indeed still ticking in one of the best obtained bombs of the world war and is now in a museum. Diffused. No one knew he was that guy. I was so shocked and I can only tell you that people in our village still tell rumors about more tunnels and hidden rooms. When I was very young, under 10, my dad would take us to various deer leases for the weekends here in central Texas. There were always cabins of some sort for us to stay in. This one weekend we went to a lease near Eagle Lake where there was an old A-frame house, one room affair really, that was at the end of a very windy road. You couldn't see the house until you came right up on it. Well, this one weekend, we came driving out of the oaks only to notice that there was smoke coming from the chimney, trash all over the yard, etc. There weren't any vehicles though. My dad stopped the truck, got out his rifle, glassed the house for a little while, then decided whoever was there must have cleared out when they heard the truck coming, and seeing as how there was no way we would have missed a vehicle leaving, they must have bugged out on foot. I still have dreams 20 years later about walking into the house to look around, whoever had been there obviously loved to smoke as there were ashes and cig butts everywhere. Most of the canned goods we stored up there had been eaten, the cans dumped in the yard, and there was a pot of deer corn, yes, deer corn, boiling on the stove. The thing that has stuck with me over the years was the smell and the open coloring books scattered on the table with crayons dropped in mid-coloring. Out there in the woods was some poor family with at least one kid. I imagine they sat watching us for quite some time before giving up and wandering off. My dad, lacking much sense, decided that we were staying the weekend. Yeah, didn't sleep much. Went camping with my buddies on Canyon Lake, about an hour or two outside San Antonio, Texas. This night was drenched in very bizarre occurrences, and I remember it as one of the worst nights of my life. We were swimming, fishing, drinking beers. Then things got strange. Living in a big city, I rarely got to see stars in myriads, clear and ineffable. I was admiring them with a buddy, until what looked like 10 shooting stars began zooming off in different directions. My heart was racing, and I couldn't believe what we had just saw. Once the awe faded, couple buddies and I went into the wooded area to play drunken hide and seek. We paired up. Not five minutes in, we hear our friend yell loudly. We rushed towards his voice. He was hunched over by a tree. He looked at us, and shook his head saying dude, red eyes. I saw red eyes just staring at me, not more than 10 feet away. So we all ran back to camp. It sounded like a cliche prank, but my buddy still to this day, sticks to his story and has trouble being alone at night. Finally, to end the night, we retired to our tents. I had a compartment tent with some friends. I was sitting outside of it with one of them, when our buddy Percy walked up saying something under his breath. He finally started raving about how he needs to go home, and he can't be there any longer, and he started holding his head and he fell to his knees. We tried to console him and he got aggressive, got up and pushed me hard into the tent. I got upset, and he said I didn't understand. I don't know what he was talking about, and neither did he, because he swore up and down that it never happened and that he'd never say things like that or push me. I will not be returning to Canyon Lake.
True story, I went on a Bigfoot finding expedition last fall in Oklahoma. I went with a buddy who had been on a few, and who would turn down some camping time. I would have categorized myself as a serious skeptic at the time, especially after last summer's Bigfoot hoax. Everybody on the expedition seemed pretty knowledgeable about the outdoors, open, and very honest. We hiked some at night and some of the more experienced ghosts tried with knocks and calls. Sometimes they would get a very faint answer. Whether it was the real deal or a local half a mile off having fun, I couldn't tell, and I wasn't entirely convinced. We did hear something in the camp near our tent at night, as there were some dead leaf cover. It definitely sounded bigger than a raccoon or a possum. Other members pointed out what they said were tracks in the leaves nearby. Nothing definitive, mind you, but they were kinda foot-shaped and dwarfed my friend's size 17 boots. My buddy and I got to go off with some very cool Gen 3 night vision equipment later in the weekend. He's about 6 foot 7 and 400 pounds, so he's no wallflower. We were about 1000 meters or so ahead of the rest of the group on an old logging road, and we were watching some bats flying around through the night vision. I suddenly had a very uneasy feeling, like I was being watched, and the hair on my neck immediately stood on end. About three seconds later my friend whispers, something isn't right. We need to go back to the group. I have to admit my uneasy feeling went to genuine fear pretty quick. We never told anybody else about it, but he admitted that he had the same exact feeling, and was pretty damn scared. All of this could have a rational explanation, pranks or the like, but it was pretty damn creepy. I'm not convinced there is something out there, but shook my skeptical view. My family owns a farm near the Missouri or Iowa border, and I've had a few unsettling experiences where I felt as though I was being followed, triggering the instinctual fight or flight response. We have come across freshly killed deer, and there was recently a young cougar shot on a farm a few miles away, indicating the presence of a fully grown one in the area. One particular experience left me so frightened that I refused to go back there. Behind Fort Leavenworth lies the Missouri River, with miles and miles of swamp and forests that are off-limits to people. One night, we were camping a few miles downstream from the fort. Equipped with a high-powered spotlight emitting millions of candle power, we directed its beam towards some points that jutted out into the river. On one of those points, something reflected back at us, two eerie yellow eyes. As soon as the spotlight illuminated the reflections, they swiftly retreated back into the depths of the forest. About an hour later, as we sat by our campfire fishing, a large rock flew over our heads and plunged into the water in front of us. Startled, we hastily left the area and sought refuge in the city park where other campers were gathered. The next morning, we returned to the campsite and discovered the rock that had narrowly missed us. It must have weighed around 25 to 30 pounds, and the location from which it was thrown was uphill from where we were seated, defying any logical explanation. Back when I was like 6, or maybe 7, 30 years ago, I was an unknown predator as a child. Lived in a trailer park so during the summer it was literally Lord of the Flies from 9am to 5pm. 
One day while me and a friend were snooping around people's yards we found a row boat behind a shed. The thing was rotted, falling apart and just not fit for use. But my friend got all excited and said he knew where a lake was we could go sailing at. So we grabbed some skateboards and 2 by 4s for oars and proceeded to stead the boat. It took 4 hours of dragging it, and another 2 hours of moving it though swamp and forest but we get to the lake my friend was talking about. To us it was a lake, but really just a pond. We're excited about a job well done and just throw everything into the boat and start rowing out with the 2 by 4s We get out to the middle of the pond and we started to realize we're taking on water, lots of water and fast. We start to panic because we can't scoop out water faster than it's leaking in when suddenly we hear a hollow dumb and scratching sound. The boat was sitting on something and we were no longer sinking but still taking on water. We take off our shirts, socks and stuff them into spots we could see water leaking in and finally relax, we can get water out faster than it was coming in. It was then we had a chance to take in the surroundings. It was pretty awesome for a six-year-old and we're talking about six-year-old stuff for a few minutes and then I looked down into the water. It was really clear and seemed deep. And then I realized what I could see and what we were stuck on. In the pond we could see hundreds of 50-gallon metal barrels. They were piled up so high in some places the boat had gotten stuck on one of them. It was like looking into an alien world with mountains of barrels everywhere. I think I had just seen Return of the Living Dead, which starts with kids opening a 50-gallon barrel and releasing the undead, I think, so I was freaking out and tell my friend we need to get out fast. So we're panicking and getting water out of the boat and then my friend screams and points down the road. And we both see something worse than undead zombies. The trailer park manager in his truck flying down a dirt road near the pond and coming right for us. Now it might not sound like much, but this was the guy who got you in serious trouble. Trailer park parents generally didn't care what the kids did, but when he shows up to your house to threaten your parents with being kicked out because of what your kid did, you knew you were in for a memorable beating. He pulled up near the pond, and were trying to row away from him, but we were starting to sink again. He grabbed a rope and threw it out to us and pulled us in. We were terrified. We knew we were in for some serious screaming from him, and beating from our parents. But he didn't scream, didn't threaten, he just stood there staring at us. He asked us what the hell we were doing out there, that we were trespassing, stealing, and what we were doing was wrong. But not screaming. He was calm, kind of scared, like we got him in trouble. We explained what we were doing there, but didn't bring up seeing the barrels. He questioned us forever, we were six, and then told us he wouldn't tell our parents, which was crazy because he told parents everything he saw, and would bring us home if we agreed to never go out there again, and to not tell our parents, otherwise he would tell them about all the crimes we committed. He dropped us off back in the park and we never heard anything about it again. One thing that did change was he never was mean to the two of us again, but was a bastard to every other kid. He never told our parents about anything we did wrong and was never mean or threatening to myself or my friend again. I and my wife used to travel to New Hampshire from Massachusetts to buy cigarettes once a month. Anyway, 
On this day we decided to drive from the cigarette store to Brattleboro, Vermont along this long winding route that went through some woodsy areas. We were about halfway along this route when we crested the top of a hill and I had to take a leak. It just so happened there was a pull-off area just under some high-tension power lines and what looked like a dirt access road for service trucks for the lines. I didn't pull into the road but did park in the pull-off. I walked about 40 feet or so into the woods to not be seen by anyone passing on the main road and started to do my business. Then, all of a sudden, I heard something falling from or tearing through the tree branches. It startled the heck out of me. My first thought was a maybe a rotted limb had broke loose and was falling from one of the tall trees. Then I heard the thump. I was horrified to see a boulder about the size of a basketball slam into the ground about 10 feet from me. My first thought was maybe I was trespassing and someone was trying to scare me off. I yelled, hey, knock it off with the rocks. No sooner did I get that out of my mouth when I heard the branches sound again from the same direction and this time I could see the branches waving and bending as another boulder was heading my way. I zipped up and beat feet back to my car as I had my two-year-old son and wife in the car with the top down. I quickly got in and tore out of there as my first thought was for the safety of them as well as myself. My wife was asking what was all that noise and who were you yelling at? All I could... Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Reply was that some jerk was throwing rocks at me. That's when it all really hit me these weren't your normal sized rocks that anybody could just throw. Not to mention that they were tearing through the tops of 50 to 80 foot maple and oak trees from a long way off. When this reality hit me I felt dizzy and dazed as to the danger I was truly in and WHO or what could do that. I got to tell you I spent years pondering and replaying that in my head never coming up with a logical reason. I even went back to the place years later to see if maybe there was a hill or ledge where those boulders could have fallen. But nope, nothing nor any property or dwellings anywhere near, just those power lines with the rutted road beneath them. It wasn't until I was watching TV in 2015 while I was laid up with shingles and the continuous YouTube that I saw some guys in Canada had a similar thing happen while fishing on a lake. The only difference is they saw what was hurling the boulders, an 11 to 12 foot hairy creature. So I do believe I had a Bigfoot experience. I got a very unbelievable story to tell you. I don't know if you're familiar with the Skinwalker Ranch over here in Utah. I have a close relative that is pretty much the UFO guy in that area. He's been telling me these stories ever since I was a little kid. I've been out to that ranch several times and I was out there in the spring, 2013, and nothing happened. We went around the ranch areas and nothing happened. We went home and on a Saturday night, something did happen, 
which I later found out through my UFO relative. There were some Ute native kids driving in a tall truck about 8 feet high and they went up to the gate of this UFO ranch. They said that they saw an orb of light appearing in the window off or above the gate and I guess they turned on their lights or they turned on their engine because they got scared. Then it had an even brighter light and it went over their truck and these kids. Well, something hit their truck. These kids got scared so they went down the road to the main road and they got out which is, I'm guessing, about three quarters of a mile. They got out to look at the damage done to this truck and for some reason, the driver decided to be the passenger and then the passenger was the driver. Apparently, there are some girls with them in this truck. Well, once they got back in the truck, this is where it gets very unbelievable. A creature grabbed this kid, who was the driver and now the passenger, and pulled him out of the truck. It threw him around like a rag doll, bit him on the butt several times, and clawed him. Long story short, somehow this kid got back in the truck and one of the kids took a picture of this creature, no image provided. They got scared. They were able to get back in their truck, drove down the road, and talked to the Ute Indian police because it's a Ute reservation over there. The Ute Indian police say there's nothing we can do about it because they're very well aware of the Skinwalker Ranch. So the next day, which would be Sunday, they contacted my UFO relative and he went down there to investigate. Meanwhile, there was a shaman's wife and the shaman was there blessing the kids that were involved in this. My UFO relative said that he saw the picture on his cell phone of this creature. He also saw the damage done to the truck. There was also a scratch into the truck, die, and he also saw the damage done to this kid and the bite marks. Now that was very unbelievable for me to hear. The crazy thing about it is, a few months ago, I work at a hospital, and one of my patients was actually the shaman's wife. She was the one that was also there at that time when my relative was there to investigate. She told me exactly what my relative said but in greater detail. The creature that she described, and also my relative said, had to be a tall creature because he would hold this kid out of this window. That's the 8 foot tall truck and this creature had horns. It had red hair. It had a human-like face but the mouth was distorted and it came out kind of like a wolf. It had claws and it had wings. So my question is to you, and I asked my UFO relative, is this the skinwalker? And he goes, no, this is something totally different. And I asked also the shaman's wife and she agreed that it was something totally different. I've had a few paranormal experiences throughout my life but the strangest and most unbelievable was what I know I used to see as a teenager. A gnome. It wouldn't have even been as tall as my knee, probably halfway up my shin. It had a red hat and a white beard. He was a typical garden gnome, only he wasn't a statue. I saw him at least a dozen times through our living room window, frolicking about in the garden and along the windowsill outside. I'd sometimes even see his silhouette through the blinds if they were closed on a sunny day. My parents, obviously, always brushed it off as silly crap kids say when I told them what I saw. Oh don't be silly or aw, did you? They never paid it any attention and why would they? I even remember my father saying something to mum like, we don't even have a garden gnome and she responded that it was just an act of imagination. 
I lived there until I was about 18 or 19 and I don't even think anyone in our street-owned garden gnomes at all. It never even once looked at me, like he didn't know I was watching or perhaps didn't care. The last time I saw him was about 20 years ago. I'd never spoken about it to anyone but my mother and sister during my adult life, else I'd probably be admitted to a mental health ward. When I asked mum she still remembers me talking about him when I was little. Most people reading will probably think what a load, but I promise this is true. Was he real? Or possibly a fabricated memory of some kind? Why would my mind make me remember fake stuff? Has anyone else ever seen one? This happened in the western suburbs of Sydney, Australia. I spent a lot of time in Africa both on business and for pleasure. One time there were about eight of us that went camping in a national park in Zambia, I was with a friend and the other six I did not know. There were two other couples and two single females. We spent the afternoon getting to know each other and pitching our tents, had our dinner and retired to our tents for sleep. Around 3am in the morning I hear the two females freaking out, there was screaming like I have never heard before. To be honest I was shitting myself, I thought some animal was attacking them. My adrenaline was pumping like crazy, I always remember hearing that when people are screaming they are okay, it's generally the quiet ones that you should worry about. So I got my torch and found the courage to open up my tent, at this point the screaming was continuing and I could now hear scratching noises. The other members of the group were remaining very quiet, I am sure they were just dry mouthed and did not want to bring attention to their tents. I slowly opened the tent and shone the torch in the direction of the girl's tent and I saw two hyenas walking around the tent. I know that generally hyenas are generally timid creatures around humans but they have been known to attack and kill people in rare circumstances. By this time the guide was out of his tent and simply shouted at the hyenas and they ran off. One of the golden rules of camping in the domain of wild animals is not to keep any food around, always keep food in sealed containers and make sure everything is clean and washed properly. It turned out that one of the girls has some biltong, dried meat, in the tent and the hyenas has smelted and were trying to get at it. Couple years back I volunteered for a sea turtle conservation group on St. Catherine's Island off the coast of Georgia. It's a small island and at any time there can be fewer than a dozen people on it and it's not developed beyond a few generators, refurbished slave cabins, a mess hall and a few conservation buildings. When walking around at night it's basically pitch black because of the forest canopy so most people have a flashlight or headlamp with them. Anyways I was walking back to my slave cabin from the mess hall alone and my headlamp wasn't working. I couldn't see a damn thing so I'm basically stumbling over stones and stumps. As I'm walking, there was a scream. Only way I can describe it, is as a deep, guttural grunt type scream. Made me stop dead in my tracks. After a few moments I keep walking, still messing with my headlamp. The damn thing finally turns on and I'm face to face with a deer. I'm in the middle of a bunch of deer just standing around and this one is just staring at me right in the eyes. I was within a foot of it. Scared the living shit out of me. I walked around it, and ran back to my cabin.
I am a reasonably social person. Four years ago I was living in Pittsburgh and decided to bike to DC, about 350 kilometers. There is a trail that goes and is fairly fast from civilization, especially in the West Virginia, Maryland stretch. It's a known route a lot of people do often. However, normally you'd go in a group and do it in four to six days. I went alone and was done in three. This meant leaving before sunrise and finishing after sunset every day, pedaling to no end and having no one to talk to. By the end of day two I started hearing voices. Not random amorphous voices you normally have in your head. Voices belonging to specific people in my life. They were saying things consistent with those people's personalities and we had long conversations about a whole host of things. Most interestingly, I was aware that this was all happening in my head the entire time, but had no way to turn it off. It all went away once I had a good night's sleep and a real meal, but it was a very interesting experience. I imagine this is what schizophrenia feels like, minus the awareness that the voices are not real. It was a wild night, one that I'll never forget. The date was September 1, 2020. I live in Naperville, Illinois. I was headed back home on a public bus, I believe it was a pace, and I was pretty much alone. Just me and the bus driver and one or two other people. That in and of itself was strange, but I'm not sure that was related. Anyways I board the bus and the bus driver is stopping off at plenty of locations. We arrive at one where there's little to no light around it, no street lamps, no houses or buildings, no nothing. The only thing illuminating the scene was the dim light inside the bus and the headlights. The bus driver opened the doors and nobody budges, but as the bus driver began to close the doors, we heard these really heavy footsteps come out of nowhere. Then I heard the most god-awful sound I have ever heard. It wasn't quite screaming, it wasn't singing, but it sounded angry. The bus driver began to open the doors again for the thing to the board, but as soon as it came into eyesight, nobody wanted that. That thing. To board this bus. The driver shut the doors as quickly as he could and this creature became infuriated. It was wearing women's clothing, an orange shirt and an orange hat with some shorts, it had been hot here. But that thing was not like any woman I've ever seen. I don't even know how to describe it. It could have the power to shapeshift if that's a thing. This thing, it was a she, or at least wanted to appear so, began pounding on the bus doors, howling its angry, screaming song. It went on for a long time. The bus driver was clearly in shock and confused and downright scared, as he should be. Hell, I was scared too. I don't think any of us knew what to do. And at the same time, we weren't sure if this thing would follow us? If we did let the creature in, would it harm us? Kill us even? Would it chase after us if we didn't? If we called the police, and it left, would they even believe us? It wasn't any kind of cryptid like Bigfoot or the Chupacabra. Was it an extraterrestrial life form? It is an experience I will not forget ever in my life. The first thing I did when I arrived home was look up anything similar, to no avail. So, after these three years, I decided to report it. I know that you have been involved with the Chicago Mothman sightings investigation, but is it possible that this thing is related?
It happened again late one night in September 2018. I live in Northeast Pennsylvania. I've been an experiencer for most of my life. They made no attempt to show up quietly either. There was an electrical storm, and I've seen craft hanging around those. So when one of these storms, with no rain, was hanging out directly over the house for a while, I knew they were coming. They took out the lights first. And I tried not to be scared. I'm tired of being scared so I asked how to make the fear go away. I tried to go about my evening routine. Then there was some sort of hissing at the front door. Was I imagining it? No, that is definitely for me. So I got mad. You have to honor free will. You can't take me against my will, I repeated many times. Now though, I think this was my opportunity to cooperate had I let them in. I wish I had the courage to do this so I could learn what they're doing. The hissing stopped when I refused to open the door. Storm got angrier. So I went to bed. I kept repeating variations of the free will thing for a while, not happy that they clearly had other plans. Then I called my sister to attempt to wait them out. Talked with her for a while. Then tried to go to sleep, since by now the power was back. I told them I need my alarm for work. Thought they might move on. Still wide awake, but I can't sleep. My cat starts weirdly slinking off the bed like he's stalking something in the corner of the room, but very slowly. So I sit up to see what he's watching. The blue light from one of their freaking wands blinks off. I could see it under the door when I sat up. The cat calmed down and returned to his spot. Apparently, they don't just control us in our sleep. I called my sister again. Now I'm really upset. She tells me to come over. It's too late, even if I wanted to. They are determined. So I resign myself to my fate and go to sleep. I have to get up in 4 hours by now. They must be trying to take my soul again like they did the only other time I remember seeing the stick with the blue diode at the end because I had a brief out of body experience. The last time I saw it, one of the few times I remember anything at all. They were trying to teach us how to leave our bodies. But by teach I mean they rip you out forcefully to get you used to the feeling. Empathy is not a thing the gray being have I guess. But I don't think it's them. I think what runs the show are the reptilians. I sat up in bed from sudden pain, it shocked me awake. But then the pain from my arm falling asleep in my body pulled at my soul, and my actual body sat up to absorb the soul. I watched myself sit up into myself. Kind of cool. Then they knocked me out I guess because I was out immediately afterward. I had personal enlightenment recently, where I felt the fire of the chakra alignment send this new energy up my spine. It's a more intense ability to connect to the universe I haven't had before. I can literally feel it now when I tap in to talk to the universe. It's like tingles up my vertebrae. I have a very strong feeling their sudden intensity was because of this. They've never been so obvious before. Clearly, I needed to be studied immediately. But they don't want the body. They only want the soul. Them and that damn stick. I think I might have a soul contract with them I need to figure out how to get out of. I had a hypnotic regression done a few weeks after that incident. It was very disappointing because my questions were not answered. The encounters have been less severe since then. I'm just hoping that it eventually stops.
When I was in my early teens I visited my dad in Pennsylvania. He had just gotten remarried and had another child, my baby sister. Anyway, I fell asleep at my new grandmother's house downstairs. This is a three-story house with a basement and an attic, five floors. And I had no clue where anyone else was. I woke up downstairs on the couch around midnight in utter terror and could not explain why. I felt as if something in the shadows was watching me and I needed to get away. I ran upstairs and got into bed with my dad who never woke up. Moments pass and I feel something on my legs. I wanted to look but couldn't look. I must have been paralyzed. It seems like hours passed as I slowly somehow began to work my head to the side and saw one of them peeking over my father with its hands over his mouth. I received a telepathic message of some kind that he shouldn't be smoking and that something bad might happen to him because of it. I don't know if it was a threat, and these are childhood memories so it's very difficult to specifically put into words. If I had to describe these little creatures they would be like salacious crumb from Star Wars, very goblin-like, very skinny with big ears. There was a bigger one standing at the foot of the bed. I was fighting this paralysis the entire time, and I think it's this ability to fight their paralysis that made them interested in me in the first place. Anyway, I see the big one who seems to have an oval-shaped flat and purple-like head with a dark cape. The body never moves, but the head can swivel 360 degrees like an owl or something. At first, the being was extremely interested in the books on the shelf. Paperbacks and hardbacks. Novels. For whatever reason it was checking all these books out. There were two identical ones, one bigger than the other though, marching in place in the corner of the room. They were glowing white and looked to be very furry or luminous. Big bushy circular bodies with spindly skinny appendages. A big one and a little one both glowing both marching in place in the corner of the room, not looking at anyone. This seems to go on forever. At some point, they migrated to the next room where my little sister was sleeping in her crib. At that point, I felt strength. I felt anger. That's what it was. You are not going to touch my sister. And I shut off the paralysis and jumped out of bed. As soon as I did that, the two beings marching in the corner went down to the floor and the light began to change in the room. I saw them march downward through the floor and then I ran into the next room. The rest looked at me and floated quickly toward the stairwell as the light from 8 a.m. in the morning brightly lit the entire house and they went down the staircase and turned into indistinguishable vapor in the morning light. Believe me when I say I was in pitch black for an endless timeless state and then it was immediately 8 hours afterward. That was my first experience. It gets weirder so after that, I went back home to Mississippi with my mom and began having nightly experiences for the next 8 or 9 years. I'm not going to go into those details because they were terrifying and I don't want to think about them. But eventually, I felt that the danger must be coming from the window in my room. I didn't like my room anymore. And I had witnessed too many weird things around my window late at night. So I rearranged my room and blocked up the window by putting my bed right beside it. You'd think that this wouldn't be the right move, but it made me feel safe for whatever reason. The night I did this is the one I will never ever forget for as long as I live and I get chills just thinking about it. I woke to the back door being kicked open and immediately I knew that our house was being robbed. 
I tried to stay as still as possible in my bed with my eyes just barely cracks of lashes to be able to see what was going on but still pretend that I was sleeping. I hear a commotion in the hallway outside my room. Thinking about it now it could not have been adult people. These were either a whole bunch of small creatures or not actually physical disturbances. It was a commotion. A torrent of motion through the hallway. And then my bedroom door slowly crept open. Standing in the doorway was a bright ball of light. When I was a child I figured it must be a flashlight but my memory does not agree with that. As an adult, it doesn't make sense to me. It was simply a ball of light. And it moved on. I heard commotion throughout the house I heard a struggle. I heard fighting and my family being in pain. I was too afraid to move. I wasn't exactly paralyzed I felt like they were maybe testing me. Finally, I hear my mother calling my name and pain dragging herself across the carpet. I will never forget this for the rest of my life. I was too afraid to move to help my mother. But strangely, the sound of her pulling herself across the carpet never advanced. It stayed right outside my door. I felt like they wanted to lure me somehow and I didn't understand intellectually, but instinctively I knew I should stay put. This dragging noise went on for a timeless state yet again. Then, like a switch of up light bulb, it was morning and I hadn't even closed my eyes. So I ran to the phone and dialed 911, but hung up immediately. My brother was asleep in his room. My mom was asleep in her room. I woke her up and asked her what happened last night. She said your brother had an asthma attack and we left you here at home alone at midnight. So I got all into energy work and kundalini yoga and became a reiki master and attempted to understand what this spiritual energy was that I have that allows me to fight their paralysis when I become angry and impassioned at them. This spiritual force that fights them was my main goal in life at that point. I needed them to stop and it worked. For a long time. I have many more stories about this intermediate period where I kept them at bay from terrorizing me, but began to have truly interesting and enlightening experiences with the UFO phenomenon. It led me to believe that there may be some good ones and some bad ones. Either that, or they don't all come from outer space. So maybe goblins coming from an extra-dimensional realm beneath us. No idea really. I'm just relating what happened. The story goes on. Even up until the present day. Would you believe me if I said I have trouble keeping ordinary jobs? I have a difficult time relating to normal people. I'm always far out and crazy. And nobody understands. I wonder why? Is it possible that I may be one of them? This incident happened to my grandparents. I'm from Puerto Rico and my grandparents are fully Puerto Rican. Anyway to the story. It was the mid-1960s. My grandma was about 25 and my grandpa was about 20. My grandpa returned from the war in Vietnam and my grandparents moved to a small town on the outskirts of Maracao, Puerto Rico, another small town but slightly bigger. It was a warm night. I'm not sure what time it was because they don't remember but they know it was about midnight. They saw a light on top of a mountain. Let me explain Maracao. It is a very mountainous region. People that are not familiar with Puerto Rico don't know that Puerto Rico is a really mountainous region. 
The light was on top of a mountain but my grandpa thought it was a fisherman because fishermen usually fish at night in the region. The thing is there was no source of water near the mountain so my grandfather found that weird. Anyway, he kept staring at the light. The light was starting to approach them. It arrived in their front yard about 10 yards in front of them, and it stayed there as if the thing was watching them. My grandpa is literally scared of nothing. He's encountered ghosts and the paranormal before and never even had a drop of fear in all of the experiences. He saw a figure in the craft. The craft was about the size of a medium-size SUV except it was a shape of an oval. My brave grandpa got a flashlight and seriously walked toward the craft. He turned on the flashlight the craft left quickly. It looked like disappeared except when he looked at the sky he could see the craft exiting the Earth's atmosphere. After that, he never experienced a UFO sighting even though he had a lot of paranormal experiences afterward. He believed that the other experiences were somehow related to his encounter with the UFO. So yesterday I was in the Colosseum in Italy. I was on a flyby visit to Rome as I wanted a few days to have a break. I didn't book a ticket in advance and managed to get an entrance ticket without a tour. So I was walking around by myself with the usual number of tourists running around, taking photos and chatting away. Anyway, I was pretty excited as I've always wanted to see Rome. I was walking up the stairs to the first floor of the Colosseum when I suddenly felt strange. Like I was flooded with fear. It was like I was sensing the fear of something else. I knew that the thing I sensed was not only afraid but knew when it was about to die, it could smell blood and death as it was being let out. The feeling of fear was also tinged with confusion. As I walked up the stairs, the feeling got stronger. I then felt that it was trying to say that its bones were still here. I knew it wasn't human. Now, I don't usually feel things like this. I've never felt like I am psychic or anything like that. I'm quite pragmatic and though I've had weird things happen it's never been a feeling like this exactly. I also know that the first floor was for spectators not for anything or anyone who was about to die. So my feeling did not make any logical sense. I was willing to dismiss what I was feeling and though maybe I'd had too much sun. I got to the top of the stairs and walked around. The first exhibition I see were the bones of animals that had been discovered after having been killed in the Colosseum. The feeling got stronger and then just disappeared. I didn't feel anything like that for the rest of my visit. Now I'm home and I can't help but reflect back on those moments. Was it a frightened animal who had died a painful and confusing death, stuck there for millennia and randomly choosing to reach out? Or did I just lose my mind for a moment? I honestly can't shake the feeling and it's left me unsettled. Has anyone else had a similar experience there or elsewhere? On another note, always book month in advance for a tour to the Colosseum you can get much better tours than what I got by just turning up. It was a sunny summer afternoon when my friends and I decided to go fishing on the Saskatchewan River in the beautiful province of Saskatchewan, Canada. Little did we know that our outing would turn into an unforgettable encounter with the Sasquatch. As we set up our fishing gear and cast our lines into the calm waters, laughter and excitement filled the air. We joked and shared stories, 
unaware of the extraordinary event that was about to unfold. It started innocently enough, with strange rustling noises coming from the dense forest surrounding us. At first, we dismissed it as the wind playing tricks on our ears or perhaps an animal lurking nearby. But as the rustling persisted and grew louder, we couldn't help but feel a sense of unease creeping into our hearts. Suddenly, a towering figure emerged from the trees, capturing our attention like nothing else before. At first glance, we thought it must be some kind of prank. Maybe one of our friends was playing a joke on us, dressed up in a costume to scare us. But as we looked closer, our jaws dropped in disbelief. Before us stood an actual Sasquatch, or Bigfoot, as some call it. Its massive frame towered over us, covered in shaggy brown hair. Its muscular arms hung down by its sides, and its eyes seemed to hold a mysterious wisdom. We were dumbfounded, frozen in both awe and fear. It was as if time stood still, and all we could do was stare at this creature of legend. The Sasquatch seemed curious about us as well. It observed us with a mixture of caution and intrigue. We could see its intelligent eyes scanning our group, assessing whether we posed a threat. It seemed almost human-like, yet undeniably otherworldly. As the initial shock wore off, a wave of excitement and fascination swept over us. We fumbled for our cameras, eager to capture this extraordinary moment on film. But as we fumbled with our devices, the Sasquatch, sensing our intentions, vanished back into the depths of the forest, leaving us in a state of disbelief. We spent the rest of the day recounting the encounter over and over, dissecting every detail, and questioning our own sanity. Had we truly come face to face with a legendary creature? Our fishing trip had transformed into a surreal adventure, forever etched in our memories. News of our encounter spread like wildfire, sparking both skepticism and intrigue among the locals. Some dismissed our story as a wild fabrication, while others were filled with curiosity and wonder. Regardless of the skepticism, our group knew the truth. We had experienced something truly extraordinary on that fateful day along the Saskatchewan River. From that moment on, our lives were forever changed. We became avid researchers of the unexplained, delving into the mysteries of the Sasquatch phenomenon. Our encounter with the legendary creature became the catalyst for a lifelong pursuit of truth and exploration. To this day, we hold on to that memory, cherishing the shared bond we have as witnesses to the enigmatic presence of the Sasquatch. Our fishing trip turned into an extraordinary adventure, connecting us with a world beyond our own, where legends come to life. And though skeptics may scoff, we know in our hearts that we were privileged to have a glimpse into the elusive world of the Sasquatch on that fateful day along the Saskatchewan River.